Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Danny Parkin Show. Yes, we are. Thank you very much for hanging out with the Danny Parkin Show. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. Here in the great city of Chicago, talking week four of the NFL. And it was just a hell of a day. Lions gave the Chiefs everything they could handle. Dan Quinn, in my mind, cements that he should be the first coach fired. The Texans are going to get Deshaun Watson killed. The Bills' defense proves that they're legit. Gardner Minshew mania gets ratcheted up a notch. We got a quarterback situation brewing here in Chicago. Dwayne Haskins doesn't look the part against that pathetic Giants defense. We probably haven't talked enough about Vontez Perfect. Dude should be kicked out of the league. That hit on Jack Doyle was gross and egregious, and he is the ultimate repeat offender. He's already racked up over $4 million in fines and forfeited salary for games suspended. He's made contact with a ref. He's twisted and went at dude's ankles when they were already on the ground in the pile. He's kicked guys. He's had groin shots. He's He laughed and welcomed all of the attention when he got thrown out of the game today. He's just a punk. There's no place for him in a league that claims that they care about player safety. Vontez Burfecht should be kicked out of the league. And I don't even know that the players union would fight it. We also haven't spent a ton of time talking about the Browns today. Their offense clearly should run through Nick Chubb, though I don't think the Ravens defense is the Ravens defense of the last 20 years. A couple of injuries in the secondary, including Jimmy Smith. It's just, it's not the same. Like I don't, I don't know what they're hanging their hats on defensively in Baltimore right now. But it was nice to see Jarvis Landry finally get involved. But Nick Chubb, man, he is, he's the real deal. There are not that many workhorse running backs in the NFL. Zeke Elliott's a workhorse back. Dalvin Cook's a workhorse back. Nick Chubb is a workhorse back. Like He's in that conversation, right? I mean, Le'Veon Bell has a really heavy workload. Obviously, Saquon Barkley would uh, if he wasn't, if he wasn't hurt. But even Todd Gurley. He had that workload, and then he started to wear down. And you saw Malcolm Brown vulture some touchdowns earlier this year, C.J. Anderson last year. You don't go 10 deep in the NFL of true workhorse backs. You might have some teams that give the guy the ball a lot. You know, Seattle gives Chris Carson the ball. Rashad Penny's been hurt. Procise is nothing special. But Carson's had fumbling problems this year, had a nice game today. But most guys are going running back by committee, and they're not committing to to the run very often. But Cleveland figured out what they should be doing. With Nick Chubb today. That was very impressive. And then another story we haven't talked on much is uh, my guy Kyler Murray. 
I love watching Arizona play. They're just like weird and funky and you see things that you haven't seen before in the NFL, but they're not very good and their defense is worse, but there's players that you know. Like Terrell Suggs had his 135th career sack today. I was like, oh, T-Sizzle, future Hall of Famer, still getting checks for the Cardinals. Chandler Jones out there wrecking people. David Johnson's awesome. Larry Fitzgerald is ageless. Christian Kirk's legit. Kyler Murray makes a one wow play every quarter. Lose by double digits. He's getting worse every game. But I still think he's going to be good. I think he will figure it out. He's that dynamic athlete, personality, natural born leader. Where you could have every right game plan for him, but there's some things where it's like good offense beats good defense. Kyler's got that it factor. Mahomes has it with his arm. Kyler seems to have it with that Russell Wilson. Like, I'm not running to scramble, but I'm running to extend the play. And no matter how good your coverage is, you can't cover guys for seven seconds. Kyler Murray has that kind of game to him. Where I think that there are going to be some there'll be there'll be some sacks where he takes a twenty yard loss, and there will be some plays where he's like, no, 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 oh yeah, like he is really, really fun to watch. But admittedly, getting worse as he goes over these four games, and teams are starting to figure it out. But I think he'll adjust to the adjustment. I think he's a gifted enough athlete that the NFL won't be able to keep him down for long. 855-212-4227. I love having this time slot during the NFL season. It's basically an NFL postgame show. And for all intents and purposes, week four is in the books. I mean, Steelers-Bengals, a combined 0-6. Mason Rudolph against Andy Dalton. Maybe you got some fantasy implications. Maybe you got a Juju Smith-Schuster. Maybe you got John Ross, who's top five in the NFL coming into today in receiving yards. Like Maybe you got some things going on in that regard maybe you got a joe mixon maybe you're in a two qb league and you're starting dalton or rudolph you got a super flex going like maybe you can talk yourself in to having some money interest in that game but for all intents and purposes this week is over and by the way shout out to all my survivor pool players i doubled up on the chargers this week so i survived our first bloody sunday but colts go down rams go down very tough week for survivors, about 50% of entrants in most pools got eliminated today. Only took till week four till we got a bloody Sunday. Survivor pools are real, man. So if you're out there trying to cash in that big one and you're still alive, congratulations. 855-212-4227 calls from all around the NFL in week four. Let's go to Virginia and welcome Andre to the show. Andre, you're on radio.com and CBS Sports Radio. What's up, man? I am doing well, man. You know, I'm listening to your show. I heard all those um, Chicago fans um, out there. And even though I'm a big Redskins fan, and even though we're on forward, the good news for us as Redskins fans, we have no hope. I mean, you guys in Chicago, you guys sound like you have a whole lot of hope. And I feel bad because in the NFL, when your team relies on your defense to win, your window is really short. You know, look at San Francisco, you know, when they were putting up and having those slugfests with the Seattle um, Seahawks and you know that window for teams with their defense who are on the defense is really is really small two three years so you know I don't know if they're going to win it to this year um, and but I think it's um, hopefully you know hopefully for you guys but um, you know with the Redskins you know I know everyone's going to start and I'm surprised you said that the coach for Houston is the first coach that should be let go no um, coach for Atlanta everyone, 
Atlanta, Dan Quinn. Oh, my bad. But, yeah, but, uh, you know, Jay Gruden, and I feel bad for the guy, and uh, he has to go. Obviously, we're all in full as a, as, as a team, but I, I know the next couple of weeks everyone's going to be talking about our coach and stuff, but I think it starts about general manager. And, you know, like, general managers, are, they aren't sexy people to pick on, so no one's really going to talk about them, but, you know, Bruce Allen, man, I mean, he has been with so many different organizations, and he's left each organization he's been in um, in a worse condition than when he when he first came in. And for us, the, the Redskins, we, we, we need a culture change. And, yes, you can fire the coach. Yes, you can fire the defensive coordinator. But this franchise, this fan base will have no hope with this team until they let go of this GM. Well, um, Andre, because- two things, two things. One – if you believe in Haskins, that is your optimism as a Washington fan. But the problem, as I see it with that team, is you want to talk about a culture change, man. That fan base is straight up apathetic. It's the biggest stadium in the league, and it's the cheapest ticket every single week. I mean, the, the fan base seems to have checked out, and Dan Snyder just keeps throwing good money after bad, and... It feels to me like you can't ever force an owner to sell the team, like you know, unless it's a Donald Sterling situation. Like that's not what I'm talking about. But it feels like the problems in Washington have spanned so many coaches and so many general managers and so many quarterbacks that it's actually like an institutionalized ownership problem, and it's bigger than any coach or GM. Even though I agree, agree with you, obviously, that Gruden will be fired at some point. Well, I don't know if Green will be fired, but I mean, when when um, Snyder came in, he was a young guy, he was a fan. He, you know, he he's he's gone through a lot of changes as an owner. But at this stage of the game, yeah, we more or less had two GMs, um, and the latest one, Bruce Allen, ten years, he has a losing record. I think he's on you know thirty games below five hundred or something like that. And even though Haskins, yes, you know, he you does know, something fans can hang their hat on. I'm telling you right now, living here in the D.C. area. As far as hope and what's going to bring the, the team or the, the fans back to the stadium, it's not Haskins. It's not Haskins. It's firing the GM. It's firing the GM. I mean, we know the owner is not going to go anywhere unless there's some kind of major scandal. And for the most part, I think Dan Snyder has his, his, um, is a pretty clean guy. But we have to get this general manager out of here. And once we do that, because coaches don't even want to come to this team. You know, there's no. Oh, I agree. Around. I agree. The, re- the reputation is terrible, and I appreciate the call. The reputation is terrible. You'll fire the coach at some point. You might fire the general manager, too, and then you'll be in that weird, awkward spot of having an organizational hierarchy change when you just use the 15th overall pick on a quarterback. That is organizational dysfunction. If you're using the first round pick on a quarterback, you want a coach GM combination that has job security to be making that pick, or at least a general manager with job security to make that pick. Because at some point, if you hire a new GM, they're going to want to have their own guy in there. Unless Haskins proves to be a lottery ticket, right? Like if Haskins is a winning lottery ticket and he plays, say he plays the last 12 games. I don't think he will. I think we're going to see more of case Keenum. He looked lost out there today, but Say Haskins has an awesome last 10 games of the season. Then all of a sudden, that's a really attractive job. You fire the coach and the GM because you've got the young franchise quarterback on the rookie contract attached to the gig. I don't know how well he can perform with that offensive line that they have right there and how inexperienced he is, but that's your hope as a Washington fan, that Haskins somehow becomes so talented and so good that you can clean house 
and actually attract the best and the brightest because they want to work with him. That's your hope. Chris in Alabama, you're on the Danny Parkins Show. What's up, Chris? How you doing, Danny Parkins? I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, uh, man, Sounds like you got some good. stuff going on in the background there. Yeah, I'm just at work, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, last tonight was, was a good birthday night when I see my Saints beat the Cowboys, man. What happened? Tonight was tonight. Tonight was my birthday, and um. Oh, happy birthday! Thank oh, thank you. And uh, and the Saints beat the Cow beat my dad's Cowboys. It was it was wild. Um, because because it's not more so like like the fact they beat them. It's more so like how they beat them. They beat them without breeze, and it's amazing. Honestly, Wait, are you a Saints fan or a Cowboys fan? Saints. Oh, okay. So you're so you're you're happy about your squad winning on your birthday. Now, yeah, and more, more so, more so, I'm happy that like that how they went, how they went in this. Even though it, the, the offense like the offense been stifling like at least like two weeks straight. Yeah, listen, man, I appreciate the call. Go celebrate your birthday. Don't talk to me. Try, call out sick from your job. Go celebrate your birthday. Go celebrate that who dat win. I'll say this about the Saints. In that division, they're still going to be around when Drew Brees gets back. I thought that division was going to be significantly better. But what it is is competitive. Like there's not an easy out there. Right? The Panthers are 2 and 2 with a positive point differential. The Bucks are 2 and 2. They hung 55 today. Positive point differential. Falcons 1 and 3. We've been talking about how dysfunctional they are. Saints are 3 and 1. They could be leading that division with a Drew Brees six to eight week injury. That is, that would obviously be a hell of an accomplishment, but we're not done from hearing from the Saints because they look like they will be able to survive. That game against Seattle last week felt very fluky. I was surprised New Orleans played as well as they did, even as a home dog in the Superdome on Sunday night football. Their defense made Dak Prescott look as mediocre as he is, but yeah. Saints easily could find themselves in first place when Drew Brees comes back healthy, which would be a tremendous accomplishment. More of your calls, a quick look ahead to week five before last but not least. It's the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. This is the Danny Parkin Show. Thank you for hanging out on the Danny Parkin Show, where CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is 855-212-4227. It's brought to you by GEICO. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Survivor pools get tough next week because Miami's on a bye. Whew. The Dolphins are a special kind of bad. Still two, two touchdown favorites in the opening early look-ahead line. Philly is a 14, 14.5-point favorite at home against the Jets. And the Patriots are a 14, 14 and a half point favorite on the road in Washington. So still two huge favorites on the board for all of your survivor pools, which is nice and helpful if you have been fading the Miami Dolphins to advance through what was a very, very difficult day today in survivor pools. Uh, Just as a quick, brief look ahead to next week's schedule, The Thursday night game looks awesome. You got Rams and Seahawks. Those matchups are always fun. The 325 Central, 425 Eastern 
uh, game. We start to, with the teams on the bye. It starts to get a little tricky if you like if you like Red Zone Channel for the 1 p.m. Eastern slate. All the games are at 1 p.m. Eastern because Joe Buck and Troy Aikman at Cowboys Stadium at 4:25 Eastern. Packers Cowboys. So that game will do 20 something million people. It just it better be a good game because there's only two games in that four o'clock window next week. You've got Broncos Chargers and Packers Cowboys. As a fan of Red Zone, I hate it when they only put two games in that four o'clock Eastern window because if one of them's bad, you're just you're just watching one game. And I feel like it shortens your NFL Sunday. Next Sunday night is Colts Chiefs. Chiefs are always fun in national TV. And because the NFL seems to hate ESPN, we've got Browns and Niners on Monday Night Football. Now, I know Browns, Baker Mayfield, and their big story, and the Niners are undefeated coming off of a bye, but that's not exactly a, uh, a sexy affair, at least not for me. 855-212-4227 is the number. Lottie? Lottie in Chicago is on the Danny Hi, Parker Show. What's up? Yeah, I am from Chicago. And I am one of the people who really agree with you uh, in the fact that I'm one of the people in Chicago who doesn't care who the quarterback is as long as they don't give the ball away to the other team. And I'm very happy to let our defense score all the uh, uh, points. And uh, we do not have a statue in Chicago to a quarterback. We have a a big statue uh, of a running back with that kind of a team. Um, Mitch Trubisky, I think, in the future might become a really good quarterback. Uh, Daniels uh, sat on the side and watched Drew Brees for, what, two, three years? Um, that might make and improve a person's ability to be a quarterback. Uh, Trubisky hasn't had that. Trubisky didn't even play all four years in college. So he's missing uh, about three, two, three years of college experience with really good coaches and a really, you know, top-running uh, college team. So he's still learning. If he had had the kind of being able to watch great quarterbacks from the side and see what they do for a couple of years here and there uh, until age 25, 30, uh, he might be uh, all settled down. And then there's one other problem that poor Mitch Trubisky has. Uh, it's unfortunate that the sports world has a man crush on uh, uh, Patrick Holmes because he's, he's a kind of a thin-faced, tall, Newman, McConaughey type. The cameras all love him. They put him on. Uh, well, he's his, also, I mean, he's also historically great. He had a lot of experience in college. He's a great quarterback. Like you said, a great arm. And he's got a lot of really um, football sense. And so, well, people- well listen, Lottie, I, I appreciate the telephone call. There's a few things there. I mean, obviously, guys don't wait until to be starters until they're 25 or 30. But I understand you're saying he, he did only start one year in college. That is true. But he's made 30 NFL starts now. Actually, this is 31 today, albeit he only played in three snaps. So... I don't know how long we can keep trotting out the excuse that Mitch Trubisky only started one year in college. Like You're right. That's factual. They drafted a project, and then you got to develop the project. But Daniel Jones has, what, two starts? Baker Mayfield doesn't have a dozen starts? 
Pat Mahomes has 22 starts in the regular season, somewhere around that. Like, we are guys who have played significantly less pro football are showing significantly higher ceilings than Mitch Trubisky has shown. Now, they came in with more of a body of work in college. Undeniably true. But I don't know how much longer we can use his college inexperience to justify it. I'm done with that excuse. I was done with that excuse last year. And by the way, I've been a Mitch Trubisky defender. I think Trubisky has incredible natural talent, incredible athleticism and mobility, and enough of an arm where he should be able to be a Carson Wentz type. I like Mitch Trubisky's ceiling, but he's got issues between the ears with self-confidence. He's a perfectionist that when things don't go perfect, he tenses up. He panics. He reads the comments. In a lot of ways, I can relate to him, honestly. He's the millennial athlete. He deletes social media. He worries about every word. I'll tell you a story. I, I had Mitch Trubisky on the show his rookie year, one-on-one Bears training camp, one of the first like real in-person live radio show interviews that he did, 15 minutes in person. My co-host wasn't even there, so it was truly just a one-on-one conversation. And for about 14 minutes, I couldn't get a human emotion out of the guy. He was just robo-QB, 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 cliche, cliche, cliche. Then I started doing rapid-fire things to wrap up, you know, favorite movie, favorite meal, that sort of thing. And he's, you know, he's, he's doing fine. It's a little bit of personality, but it's still very short answers. He's a kid from Ohio, right? So the last, the last question I asked him was Jordan or LeBron? And he says LeBron. And I obviously don't care. He's a 22-year-old kid, even though, you know, in Chicago, you got to say Michael Jordan to that answer. Obviously, no one's going to hold it against him. He wasn't an adult when Michael Jordan was playing basketball. He was barely alive when Michael Jordan was playing basketball. And so I go, when he says LeBron over Jordan, I go, oh, like he got it wrong. And we were taping the interview to play it the next day. And he looked to the PR guy like I had kicked his puppy and was wondering whether or not that part of the interview had to air because he was worried that he had just offended Chicago. He's just image conscious. He, he knows that people doubt him. And Lottie is right. He knows that Pat Mahomes was in his draft class and the Bears traded up ahead of where Mahomes went and Mahomes is better and he'll never be that good. And the same thing with Deshaun Watson. And th- that drive to be perfect is paralyzing him. And now Chase Daniel who could not be more comfortable in his own skin, married to his longtime sweetheart, family man, 32 years old, kids, charitable endeavors, seen it all, been behind Drew Brees, been behind Carson Wentz, been been behind Alex Smith, worked with Sean Payton, Doug Peterson, Andy Reid, Matt Nagy, made over $30 in his career, comes in and is cool. Not great, not spectacular but enough to beat the Vikings and just calm, cool, and collected. My guess is there's going to be a lot of calm, cool, and collected performances under Chase Daniel, and if the Bears win more than they lose and he is contributing to the wins, not the reason for them, but just contributing to it, my guess is that eats away at Mitch Trubisky. 
because he'll hear the noise. He'll read the comments. He'll see the doubt. He'll hear the calls for people to go to chase Daniel over Mitch. It's an obvious point, but the longer Mitch is out, the rougher this is going to be for him because he'll start to hear the doubt creep in from Bears fans about whether or not he's the dude for the Bears in the future. It's a really uncomfortable situation that could be brewing here in Chicago. We got last but not least coming up. This is the Danny Parkin Show. With time running out, we still have a few questions we didn't get answers to. Danny Parkins gives us his thoughts on a couple of different stories in this week's edition of Last But Not Least. Yeah, it's pretty simple. We like to end the show Sunday nights. There's so much going on the weekend in football. Sometimes we don't get to college because of all of the NFL. There's plenty of other stories in and outside of the National Football League. So my man Ryan Hickey compiles a few of them. He's the executive producer around here. He asks the questions. I weigh in. We keep it moving. That's how we do. What's up, Ryan? What do you got for me? All right, Danny, we'll stick in your hometown of Chicago as well. Obviously, the Bears got a lot of attention. Your Cubs also announced Sunday morning that they will not be bringing back their manager, Joe Madden, for next season. Madden obviously helped break the curse, winning a World Series, made the playoffs four of the times in his five years as manager of the Cubs. Seems like he'll be a hot commodity for other teams looking to hire some managers. So do you think it was the right move for the Cubs and Joe Madden to basically part ways, quote-unquote? Yeah, it was time. It's one of those awkward situations where whoever you get is not going to be better than Joe Madden, and Joe Madden wasn't the problem, but it was still obviously 100% correct, the right move to go their separate ways. The message got stale, and the Cubs need a little bit of a firmer hand because there is some apathy that set in, and Joe Madden is the everything's good. Don't let the pressure exceed the pleasure. Two out of three ain't bad. Like He is a very chilled out, zen type of guy. And the Cubs front office wants this team to feel a bit of a sense of urgency because once 2021 comes and goes, all of their core will be up through their arbitration years. And the 2016 team that won the World Series and ended the drought won't be together anymore. Now, in some ways, they're already not together. But the majority, like Baez, Contreras, Rizzo, Bryant, those guys are all locked in through 2021. So they want there to be some urgency. And Joe Madden's not an urgency guy. So it got to a point where Joe Madden's best skill is culture setting. He had already set the culture. And you got to remember, in Tampa, eventually, Joe's message wore a little thin. And here, the players all loved him, but he wasn't getting the most out of his team. That's just a fact. They were an underachieving team last year, even though they won 95 games. They broke down in August and September. And then this year, they're one of the most underachieving teams in baseball. So... Whoever they get next, whether it's Mark Loretta, whether it's David Ross, whoever the next manager is of the Cubs, Mark DeRosa, they're going to do what the Yankees did, what the Red Sox did. They're going to get an ex-player recently out of the game who can connect with the young athletes 
but also has that cachet and that respect because they are a recent player, a contemporary, a peer, where they can call out the players and they can hold them accountable. And they're not making the move because of money, but it's a nice little ancillary benefit that Joe Madden was making $6 million a year, which that's an extinct thing. The front offices nowadays want the manager to be an extension of the front office. They don't necessarily want everyone to be yes men, but they want the people who disagree with them to be front office types, not managerial types. And they want the managers to be extensions of the front office disagreements that they currently have. So, like, when it's uh, Boone and Cora with the Yankees and the Red Sox and they're paying them 800 k and $1.1 million and they're winning a bunch of games, including a World Series for the Red Sox, you know what I mean? Like, they're saying we can save four to five million dollars and we can get a manager who will do more of what we want to do up here in the front office and we can hold our players more accountable joe's already instilled the culture so joe should go manage you know go bookend your career and go back to the angels organization where you were for 28 years or whatever it was go to the padres with the best young farm system in the game spending a bunch of money be the biggest celebrity in that city now that it's only a one-team town He's from Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Go manage Bryce Harper and the Phillies in their farm system. Like Joe Madden is still a great manager. Joe Madden will probably have to take a pay cut. Joe Madden will have his choice of jobs, but eventually all good things come to an end. Joe Madden is the greatest Cubs manager in the last 100 years. He ended the drought. He is an absolute Chicago icon and legend, but, you know, all things end poorly or else they wouldn't end. And this season was a disaster, so it ended between Joe Madden and the Cubs. No hard feelings. Enjoy your wine and your next gig, Joe. You'll always drink for free in Chicago. What's next, Ryan? All right, so do a little college football. There's really no major upsets over the weekend, but there was a shakeup at the top of the AP poll as Clemson played a very close game against North Carolina, needed a failed two-point conversion to escape with the win, while Alabama took care of business, absolutely beat down Ole Miss 59-31. And with that, the AP poll voters flipped Clemson-Alabama as down the Crimson Tide are the number one team in the land. So you think Bama is deserving of jumping uh, jumping Clemson? I guess. I mean, these polls don't matter. Only the playoff poll matters. So I understand why it happened, but... And I know that Clemson's not the exact same team from last year, but Clemson boat raced Alabama in the title game last year. Absolutely eviscerated them. And yeah, they lost a ton of players on that defense to the NFL. They lost Cleveland Farrell and Dexter Lawrence, and they lost Austin Bryant. And who am I forgetting on that defensive line? Farrell. Will, oh, Christian Wilkins. Wilkins, Lawrence, Bryant, Farrell. They lost those four guys to the NFL. Like I mean, they lost a ton of talent. This year's defense is outperforming last year's defense because they just reload at Clemson. And the offense, the offense looks like it's going through the motions and coming into this last game against North Carolina, they still were averaging over 500 yards a game. So they just don't have any challengers. Now, North Carolina, they punched them in the mouth and they hung with them and it was a great game and... If they would have got that two-point conversion, maybe they would have won. But it feels like Trevor Lawrence is going through the motions. They bring back 
top three wide receivers. They bring back the top running back. They obviously bring back the quarterback. They bring back four of the five offensive linemen. Like they haven't clicked yet, and they're still, for the most part, dominating people. Even though, you know, some of these games have been closer than they should have been. Like, that A&M game was, I mean, that was the closest. Uh, that was the most lopsided 14-point game I've ever seen. They should have won by 30. So, I still think that Clemson is a shoe-in for the playoff. I think Bama's a shoe-in for the playoff. And then they'll be able to settle it on the field. So I got no problem with the pollsters going off of that underachieving uh, game, giving Bama the slight nod. But if they played each other this Saturday, Clemson is enough of the same team last year that blew out Alabama by four touchdowns that I'd pick Clemson in that game. So it's meaningless now because it's not a playoff poll, but... I don't think that Bama is actually better than this Clemson team when Clemson's playing well. They've just been kind of lollygagging their way through this season. So if that costs them the top spot in the polls, so be it. I still think they're better than Bama. What's next? All right, so we'll wrap up with this. The Dolphins play their closest game of the season, losing to the Chargers by 20 points. On the year through four games so far, they have a negative 137-point differential. To put that in perspective, the next closest team is at negative 52. So do you think the Dolphins will end up going 0-16 this year, or is there any way they can get at least one win? Yeah, I mean, there's a way you can get a win. Um, They've got, as far as I can tell, four legitimate chances to win. But they are a special kind of bad. Today they were at, so they were a 16-point underdog at kick today to the Chargers. They were tied at halftime, and they didn't cover the spread. They lost by 20. That is virtually impossible. 59 to 10 to the Ravens, 43 to nothing to the Pats, 31 to 6 to the Cowboys, and then 30 to 10 today against the Chargers. So they've only scored 10 points in a game twice, 0 and 6 the other two times. Here are the four chances. Week six at home against Washington. Miami coming off a bye at home. Cold weather team playing in potentially hot, humid Miami. Haskins, no experience. Tons of injuries on Washington. Washington playing next week. Miami off this week for the bye. That is a great spot for Miami. That's one chance. Then it's at Buffalo. No shot. Then it's at Pittsburgh. Even though the Steelers are 0-3, no shot. Pittsburgh's good at home. Pittsburgh's going to get a couple of wins here. They're way more talented. They're actually, you know, trying. Then home against the Jets. The Jets are also a special kind of bad. But they could have Sam Darnold back by then. But it's at least in Miami and it's a divisional game. Jets, until proven otherwise, are a bottom five team in the NFL. Bottom five team against the worst team. The worst team's got a shot. At the Colts, no chance. Home against the Bills, no chance. At Cleveland, no chance. Home against the Eagles, no chance. At the Jets, same analysis as before, except on the road, so slightly less of a shot. But, you know, bottom five team, you got a chance. At the Giants, probably no chance. Saquon Barkley will be back on the road Daniel Jones will be much more experienced at that time. He looks pretty good. Don't think they got much of a shot there. Week 16, home against the Bengals. That's their last chance. 
since he is a special kind of terrible. And then at New England for week 17. I think we are looking at a team that will set records for futility. I think we are looking at a team that if I set the over-under at one and a half wins, I would take the under. Will the Dolphins go 0-16? I'd bet on it. I'd bet yes, but there's a real chance that their best chance to win a game is week six. Coming off a bye against Washington, whether they go back to Keenum or not, Washington's banged up. Haskins has no experience, but we are going to, we have the point differential uh, record is in place. The yards per play record is in play. The turnover differential number is in play. Like there are some all time futility stats that the Dolphins through four games are pacing for that if they actually kept up that pace, we would, I mean, the, what was it? The, uh, Oh, eight lions, the Browns from a couple of years ago, those teams would look like, you know, Alabama against the Citadel compared to this dolphins team. If they actually keep up their four game stretch. So yes, Owen 16 and historic futility is absolutely in play. Just quickly on this Monday night game tomorrow night. I have no idea who's going to win, but I'll tell you this Pittsburgh better win. It's going to be ugly in Pittsburgh for Mike Tomlin and that organization. If they traded a first round pick the day that Ben Roethlisberger got hurt and then they subsequently lose two games, including to the Bengals at home on national television. Thank you very much to Brad Hopkins and Carrington Harrison. They were my guests today. Darwin Zook on the updates. Ryan Hickey, my executive producer. Everyone in New York who got me on the air, I appreciate you. It's the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.